0: Rogers, who the only place he's gonna take you to is the toilet. Bowl. And then you got Fred Farr, who will take you to the wow. Super Bowl.
1: I do like me a triple butter burger cheese in the works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles.
2: Could the package be really good? Yeah, I, w- I certainly would love that. But also to say that, does this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. That's <laughs> QB on. in the lead right now. So, John
0: Money. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Jeff Janis.
2: And Janis does not stop it. Oh, please, what a cat,
0: that's insane. You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the One Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer, joined this week with Billy and Todd, boys.
2: Hello, hello.
3: Greetings, gentlemen.
1: And hey, the Packers win 33-30 on, Is that Christmas Eve? It's been too many days
3: it was yes
1: yes a a magical experience packers are now seven and eight they beat the uh there was a little curse going on there i think the henry pearson curse where we activated them for the chiefs and the lions game and we won and then we didn't activate them these last two and we had lost so it was nice to see that we were able to overcome uh the departure of henry pearson on the team and still win but Yep, still 90% chance to make the playoffs if we can beat the Vikings and the Bears to finish off the season. (sighs) Yeah, we'll get into the game. I don't know. It was obviously another kind of the perfect encapsulation of the 2023 season for the Green Bay Packers. Kind of if we're going to win, that's the kind of game you want to with the defense falling apart. But this episode, we'll talk about the game, offense, defense. Take news. I mean, you had to see this coming, especially after today. The Jair Alexander news being suspended for a game. We'll talk about that because hey, we've been pretty good about covering that all year and knowing something was up. Um, what you will have is kind of idiots from Packers Trivia, and then of course, preview the Viking game. Uh, but again, starting things off. <sighs> Packers win thirty-three to thirty. It got pretty <laughs> as close as it could get there down the stretch with uh, Joe Barry's defense and Bryce Young (laughs) driving down the field and just barely uh, taking too long to not get the field goal attempt. But I don't know. Good game overall. Offense, no complaints. Nice to see Aaron Jones look like Aaron Jones again. Uh, Jordan Love still looking like a franchise quarterback. And the defense was bad, but not bad enough to lose us the game. So initial thoughts? I know it's been a couple days, but Todd... Yeah, Panthers game. Yeah.
2: eh, is about as good as you could do here. I mean, we won the game, but kind of like inversely how I thought the Steelers game was a moral victory. This and depending on how you look at it, maybe the Joe Barry firing being kind of cemented here makes it a little bit of a moral victory. But I'm like, we won the game, but it really felt like we lost this game. Like it was just ugly. I didn't feel good about much other than Aaron Jones. Um, how about Aaron Jones getting 21 touches? Pretty amazing. More if you count a couple of receptions too. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there was some good things, but in general, the defense was horrible, obviously, and the offense was—I mean, 33 points, good enough, right? Um, but that Panthers defense didn't look very good either. So,
3: Spencer, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it was a game that none of us were surprised by the outcome here, right? Like. And even just watching the game, you know, at halftime, we're up 23 to 10 or whatever it is. I thought the defense played okay in the first half. Um, and my sister-in-law was kind of in and out, kind of watching the game, kind of watching my niece, um, getting stuff ready for Christmas, whatever. Comes in at halftime and sees we're up by 23 to 10 and makes a comment about, oh, I mean, this this game is over, right? And me and my brother, first game we've gotten to watch together all year, and we're like, no, not a chance. <laughs> and even through the second half we're sitting here, you know, they're up 30 to 16 and my brother and I are like, it's too much time. Here, Here's what's going to go down. They're going to go down and score. We're going to get the ball back. We're going to have to punch or something. They're going to get the ball back, go down, score again. And then do we get a last second field goal or not, or else we're going to overtime. And that's almost how it ended up playing out.
1: It was an odd game for me too, watching. Cause I was driving down to Iowa for Christmas so I'm like searching, trying to find an illegal stream while driving. I ended up listening <laughs> like the first the first 10 minutes or so of the game. I just listened to Tom Grassi <laughs> reacting to it because that's like I couldn't find a live radio feed even of Wayne and shit. So I had to just go with that where I didn't even know about the whole uh, coin toss thing until I think after the game or like halftime kind of catching up on stuff. Are you guys I, aware of that?
2: during? I the didn't game? catch it either because I could not get my illegal stream going. I don't... Yeah, so
3: I didn't get the illegal stream going. <laughs> I mean, not that it was illegal. It was just a stream. Perfectly yeah, yeah, legal. yeah. Um, yes. But I got to the stream shortly after the, the kickoff. I think I missed the first play, but I don't know that the announcers knew anything. Or if they did, they may, they might have said something, you know, before the kickoff, but there was no discussion that I was aware of until after the game.
1: Yeah, and that was weird, too, because... I would have thought there would have been a recording. Like, Domovsky and Schneidman, the way they were talking about it, like, it was very matter-of-fact, but they were at the stadium, so that's probably what they're working off of. I don't know if there was any actual broadcast of it, but just, uh, I mean, once again, the way the season has gone is pretty great. You know, we say it every week. Jordan Love, he's the guy. The offense, not a ton of worries there. You know, maybe patch up the offensive line in the offseason, find a running back Mm -hmm. or whatever. But, God, it's almost like the whole, what is it, monkey paw thing, where it's like, oh, I the defense, whatever, you know, j- I just want to have a good offense and have a quarterback, and then it's like the defense is, one, falling apart and playing poorly, but now the drama and the shit around it, it's like, <laughs> and I've said it before this year, but it's like, remember this this offseason when everyone was so happy to move on from Aaron Rodgers and all the drama he brings? It is much worse <laughs> this year, and it has to do with actual football, going on which was not the case with rogers over the past two years for the most part
3: i don't know that it's worse but i agree there's certainly still an awful lot of drama and it's it's still stupid bullshit that i don't think we should have to deal with some some dude going rogue and going out to the coin toss when he's not a captain and nearly botching the call and forcing us to kick
2: to open both halves like it's just it's unacceptable. What's worse though is some dude is the highest paid corner in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. I
1: and mean, this, like this is a that's week after what sucks. the Devondre Campbell shit, too. You know? That's what we were talking about a week ago, and now the Jair thing pops back up. It's just like if
2: if this is that dude, who is the dude from Alabama who was the corner that was like uh, you know who I'm talking about? Is it something? Is it Brown something? Is it Malcolm? Oh, Tony Brown. Tony, Tony Brown. Brown. If it's Tony Brown, it's like, yeah, dude, see you later. But it's Jair <laughs> Alexander. Like, we gotta, we're gotta, we freaking tied at the hip to this guy at least for another year. I mean, I don't know. And then it I'd, sucks.
1: I put it out on Twitter, and it's not like I'm actually getting on Goody for it because I obviously – I would have signed Jair Alexander, you know? Right. I, I don't know. Maybe I would have waited to actually see him play with that busted shoulder before making him the highest-paid player. But he made Jair the highest – paid corner he made david Bakhtiari the highest paid left tackle he made aaron Rodgers the highest paid player in nfl history a year before trading him and we're still obviously seeing those side effects and then the guy who he didn't want to make the highest paid out their position was Devonte adams who his deal now looks like an absolute steal again i probably would have done most of those things as well besides the Devonte adams thing but it's one of those where it's like this hasn't really worked out as well as we would have thought of but getting into the offense for this game, starting things off with Jordan Love. I mean Jordan Love again. Like we, it's it's nice that it. You, <laughs> I was thinking of this. Like it would be funny I'd, if I was better at like video editing and shit, like I used to be. Um, I'd make like a fake thirty for thirty commercial for like the four games in the span of whatever it's going to be, maybe forty years, where the Packers thought they didn't have a quarterback like remember remember Mm -hmm. the month of october (laughs) it's like all these fans just distraught like yeah i really didn't think jordan love was gonna be the guy and now it's like holy shit like it would be called like what four weeks in october like something like that where the when the green bay packers didn't think that
2: they had a quarterback but Look at us and now. After
3: a long time coming, <laughs> yeah. the Packers I,
2: finally have a franchise quarterback. Can I ask you guys a question? How yes. much do you think it matters? Okay, you get a quarterback and you let him sit for a couple of years and actually learn behind somebody. Like, How much do you guys think that matters? Because I tend to think, if you, like, okay, so uh, Caleb is going to go to the Bears, right? And Literally. he's going to get thrown to the Wolves week one, right? Maybe they hold off and they have a, You know, maybe somebody's in there for four or five weeks, right? But he's really going to get thrown to the Wolves in year one, right? I really honestly believe, like, there's a lot of QBs out there that could have been, at least their potential could have been unlocked, right? Because all these guys have potential that are first-round picks. All of them do. With a quarterback, I feel like you throw them to the Wolves early, and, like, they either sink or swim. Like, CJ Stroud is swimming, right, for the most part. And then you look at guys, if he's not playing if Bryce Young isn't playing the Packers every week, he's not putting up 300 yards a game, right? Like, that's not happening. So you get these guys that it's like, if you were to let him sit for a couple years, like, if we threw Jordan Love to the Wolves year one, do you think he makes it to year four?
1: No, that that's one of my arguments because I always get pissed off at Ty Dune, obviously, about the things he says. Because he's he's been hyping up Jordan Love since we pretty much drafted him. And, you know, he talks to only very biased people who are yes. around, you know, Jordan Love's college, teammates, his own personal quarterback coach. And we kind of talked about it last week where I don't know if we're where we're at today if Tom Clemens didn't come back to coach that quarterback room. And if, you know, the other thing that Ty Doon has said, because he said after Rodgers' first MVP that the Packers should have traded him. You know, I think if Jordan Love is thrown into the to the Wolves after one season where he did not suit up for a single game and by all accounts, Tom Silverstein and Jason Wildy have said this. We're watching like during COVID with their masks on and shit at Lambeau where they're looking around like this guy can't throw the ball. Like it was really, really bad. So I think, yeah, I think there's a very high chance that Jordan Love maybe wouldn't have worked out in the league if they have. I do think it's beneficial to wait a little bit, but it's hard to really know for sure. You know, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. Hard to argue against that. But then you have guys like fucking Brock, the ox Osweiler who sat for a few years and that obviously Fair. didn't make any difference for him. And I think he was a second round pick. I want to say, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. some it, guys
2: it... aren't going to make it right. Yes. And that's yeah. just the, that's just the league. Right. But like you get these guys that have all this potential coming out of college. And then it's like you throw them to the wolves and they just get devoured. And it's like, man, that guy never had a chance. Like you never even gave him an opportunity to see how good he was going to be. Cause he can't learn in that environment. I don't know. It's a it's a tough position and I think like I just feel like giving love these these couple years has really I mean that's what set him up for success.
3: I 100% agree that that there is something to letting a quarterback sit for a couple of years. I think the challenge lies in that oftentimes these quarterbacks get drafted by teams that don't have a better alternative, right? They have, they have a coach that's just taking over and they need to figure out if the coach is the guy and they need to figure out if the quarterback is the guy. So they don't want to sit and wait for, you know, a coach to work two, three years with a God awful quarterback and a God awful team and then put the guy in for his first year. And then at that point, the coach is potentially on the hot seat. If they don't produce, he's out the door, bring in a new coach. And then it's just a, perpetual cycle while you know the quarterback brand new coach it's not the new coach's guy get rid of them and also if the team is drafting a quarterback high they don't have a lot of pieces with Green Bay with Rogers and with Love coming in we've had pieces around them these were not bad teams that they stepped into the first year as a starter there were question marks this year for sure but it was still a 500 football team and then Rogers was taken over a team that had just gone to the NFC championship Mahomes when he took over for Alex Smith in Kansas City I think they they either made the playoffs or they yep. were around 500 they were a pretty pretty They're good team. team too yep. so it's trying to have that guy in place to take over when you need him but have a team in place around him so you can really get a sense of what he can do cuz just throwing a rookie in there with nobody around him you know in Carolina I think is a perfect example Is Bryce Young the guy or not? Nobody really knows because their weapons are just so bad.
1: And I was going to add in there, too. It's one of the benefits of, (laughs) I don't want to say the structure, because I obviously fucking hate the structure, but the fact that the Packers don't have an actual owner that pushes for someone like that one to get
2: drafted, but two for them to play early on. I think the reason I brought up was just a little bit of a hat tip to like Guttekunst and like the ability, like none of us wanted Jordan love. None of us wanted Jordan love, right? Like we were not happy about it when it happened, but it set us up for the future. The same thing they did with Rogers. They did with Jordan love, give him a couple years to develop. I mean, Rogers obviously a different story, but like, it's just it works out when you have those assets and you have a team that's successful and then you're looking three years ahead of the future instead of looking at tomorrow. I mean, and you don't worry about putting people in the seats. I mean, I just is super beneficial one to the guys and two to the team. So
1: it's odd because you're right there and everything, but it just goes back to we'll never know because it's like if we if we take Fair. T Higgins or someone like that and if we Fair. If we just win one Super Bowl, you know, if those top three picks of fucking Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, and Josiah DeGuaro were different, and it's not like I've totally broke down that entire draft class, but if you take one Super Bowl, you know, would you take one Super Bowl to not have Jordan Love? I don't know. That's why as long as he wins one Super Bowl, which I know, have you seen that shit too where Viking fans are saying, oh, well, yeah, you guys got a quarterback that what is going to win you one Super Bowl in the first couple of years and then never win again? It's like, yeah, I mean, I would be pretty with winning a fucking super bowl yeah jordan love <laughs> we can talk about this game he had the qb sneak touchdown, which was pretty cool apparently that was audible nice to see us running with the quarterback a little bit more obviously with rogers we didn't uh have a ton of sneaks with him so it was nice to see one jordan love do that but two josh myers you know sneaky been okay i think we've been saying that the last couple of weeks but to see him snap the ball and just bulldoze the guy in front of him Nice. I think that physical nature of the offensive line we haven't always seen. Um, Jordan Love, too. The off-schedule throws, those seem to be getting better where, one, like he had the one play where he threw it away when nothing was there, but, two, the way he can make something out of nothing. And you still kind of, like, hold your breath when you're watching the way he's throwing these balls, but more often than not, it works out. Um, And we've said it a couple different times this year, but, again, The most impressive thing is it's his command of the offense and just always looking downfield this game too, watching like the highlights back and everything. It's like you could almost just keep like balance a glass of water on top of his helmet because he's always just looking downfield, keeping everything ahead of him and not getting too ahead of himself. So I don't know, Jordan Love. I mean, we talked about him quite a bit, but good. No complaints. Again, he's one of the last things I'm worried about with it's, It's crazy that so quickly we're able to not worry about the quarterback position. You know, it's been fucking decades now since we've really had to. So, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on Jordan Love? We did talk about him a little bit.
2: I think it was – I think it was – a little bit tougher day for him just with his receivers and just not having a lot of options. I think it shows up in yeah. the stat sheet, especially in the second half. There just wasn't a lot of options. The Panthers knew that. They only had a couple guys to guard. I mean, it really wasn't. I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a tougher day when you've got, you know, Uh, Bo Melton is your number two receiver right I mean that's just it's a little bit of a tougher day so um, I thought overall with the adversity of just like all the injuries and not having anybody out there I thought he played pretty well I mean it was a it was a good day for like you said like I just don't worry about him right he didn't do anything wrong right there I no bad throws are really sticking out in my mind either no picks I mean it's a good enough day for Jordan Love. It's just, yeah, in general, that offense could use a little bit more uh, uh, talent injected into it with all these injuries. Yeah, Todd,
3: I think you you touched on it. With going into the game, what were our expectations, right? Like, if you think about when we were sitting at the beginning of the year, who were our supposed top five pass catchers? Watson, Wicks, Reed, Musgrave, Dobbs, in whatever order. We started that game without three of those dudes, and we played half of the game without four of those dudes. Mm-hmm. So to your point, to be playing with um Dobbs, Tucker Kraft, uh Samari toure Bo Melton, and Malik Heath, I mean, that's not a ton of help there. Granted, Aaron Jones had by far the best game by a running back this year, which was a big help, but you know, kind of temper expectations. He's playing with a bunch of guys he hasn't played a a ton of stats with this year, but he was still throwing with anticipation. He was still on time. He was in rhythm and still making good throws. And, you know, this is something that you're only going to see watching the all 22. The only thing that I can really see in his game that he needs to clean up is some of the footwork, some of, you know, maybe an extra half Mm -hmm. a step, you know, on a hitch or something, or, you know, falling away a little bit as you throw. But that's independent entirely of whoever you're throwing to, for the most part. Maybe you have an extra hitch because you don't quite have the timing down, but um, still a lot to like from how he's performed the last several weeks and certainly can only see him improving, especially if Tom Clements comes back as quarterback's coach next year.
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And you mentioned it there, moving on to pass catchers. Hey, I've I've given one Jason Vrabel a lot of shit throughout the past year. I mean, the a lot of the coaches in general, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite. The way Bo Melton was able to just step in, pretty impressive. Obviously, Malik Heath the last month or so, yeah. I mean, pretty much all year he's been fine. I mean, he's had a lot of drops and maybe a couple of miscues, but hard to you know, be pissed off with these guys stepping in and often still putting, what, the most points on the season? Second most points on the season, I think? It's got to so, be the most. Yeah, but yeah, Bo Melton, he had the reverse for seven yards along with the four receptions for 44 yards. It's fun to see these young guys. We've seen it with Heath and we saw it with Melton. Where they get these catches and they're just so fucking excited where they're screaming up in the sky and shit where I'm like, God, we really are just a bunch of young idiots on this team right now. Um, uh,
2: correction, we scored 38 points week one. Oh, was that many?
1: I, God, yeah. I, I would have guessed 35. I didn't realize it was that much.
2: Um, the other thing I
1: thought of, so and I know I tweeted this out there, but how tall do you think Bo Milton is? Six I have foot? a
2: roster pulled up, so I will not answer.
1: So he's only 5'11". I don't know if it's the way how long his jersey is on his body or he's got a long torso or if it's just he's number 80, but he looks taller than that. IMO. He definitely does. Um, Dobbs had a huge... I mean, not... He he just appears in spurts. We've been saying it all year. He disappears and appears in spurts. The touchdown was nice. He threw the ball in the stands. I think after the game he said uh, that uh, he knows he's going to get fined for it, but he just had to do it. Do you guys know the... Um, how the spike was invented?
2: How the spike was invented? I have no idea.
1: Oh, I'm surprised Billy doesn't know this. I forgot what team and what player, but back in the 70s or 80s, the NFL started fining guys for throwing the ball out into the crowd. So guys stopped doing it. Well, this guy scored a touchdown and he was going to throw it out into the, out in the crowd but he's like shit i can't do that so he threw it at the ground and that I'm was only f-
2: making four hundred dollars this
1: game <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> i cannot afford to i gotta, a I gotta uh, do a house call for my plumbing shift after after the game but yeah so that's how the spike was invented that's like i don't think
2: we talked about this on the that's podcast hilarious. before
1: did do you know how the high five was invented did we talk I- oh
2: there's a history of the high five video that i've seen but i cannot remember it it was a baseball thing wasn't it yeah yeah, it,
1: it's crazy to me that the high five just hasn't always been like the high yeah, five feel like is cavemen 50 years were probably old
2: doing the high the high five. Right. Like,
1: yeah, it wasn't 50 years ago. Right. Like or even people saying, like, let's go for shit like that started from like Fortnite like eight years ago. I don't know. Whatever. Human.
2: There's grandparents out there that are like, I can't believe these guys don't know about the high five. Like we never high five <laughs> yeah. when I was growing up. Yeah the um, thing
3: is i feel like there's some old-timey baseball player that played back in the 60s or whatever and was like yep that was me that invented the high five and it's like he's absolutely convinced but of it but there's zero
2: chance that you can ever i'm pretty sure there. espn did like a 30 for 30 it wasn't a full thing but it was like a short on the was, high five
1: I think it was a famous baseball player that it was it uh was it the houston manager that just retired I want to say it no could idea. have been him. I could be wrong. Whatever. Why, why does that sound familiar? But at any rate, we're getting off track. Yeah, that's well, nah, fine. Uh, Dobbs also had that one big pickup, too, where he fumbled, and we were able to still pick it up. That was nice. Yes. Um, Wicks had the touchdown, got hurt, tried to come back in the game. He was on the sideline on the bike and with his helmet, trying to like make sure or try to get up enough strength so he can go back in. It was never cleared to go in. Jaden Reed also was a... Um, did not play in this game. He was banged up. I was a little surprised by that and kind of pissed because I put in some player props the night before, assuming he'd be in there and he was not. And then stick with the pass catchers too. Tucker craft. I mean, God, I fucking love him. Um, sounds like there's a chance that musgrave will play this week against the Vikings so that'll be cool to actually see both of them out on the field uh Tucker he had that hurdle again where he tried to jump over a guy I, I wonder if he's gonna just
2: attempt that just about every week here at this um, point you have to f- like fake the hurdle and run him over right like you cannot <laughs> yeah. the, the guy this week whoever the defender was didn't even lower his head he was like this guy's gonna try and jump over me I've been watching film every time down the sidelines.
1: And Kraft, he played 92% of the snaps in this game, too. I think Ben Sims only had, like, 20 or 18, who have, was the second most. So, either way, I don't know, very impressive. He had the one kind of drop on the third down along the sideline. Um, didn't look like a drop watching live, but the way he reacted and put his hands on his helmet I'm like, ah, oh, it's Tucker taking taking the blame for that drop ball. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the huge, huge play to get us down into field goal range to finish out the game, too. That was pretty cool. Breaking a tackle, getting us down there. Once again, something we haven't seen from this offense in a very long time. And a hell of a throw, too, on that
3: on that ball mm-hmm. to Kraft to, to set it up, like in between two defenders zipping it in there. That was another throw from Love where I went, wow. Um, the other play that I wanted to talk about, and you mentioned it, Spencer, was the touchdown to Wicks. That was a second reaction play where Wicks ran his route, love stepped up, broke the pocket, and Wicks, you know, impressive for a fifth round pick or whatever he was, rookie receiver. Obviously, he's had a ton of playing time this year, but to have that connection and just you know have the chemistry with love, like and understand I gotta go find a find a place to sit down and let love make a make a play and find me. It was impressive to see. I mean, it's something that we saw a lot with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Jordy or Greg Jennings or Donald Driver, Devontae Adams over the years. I don't know that we've seen it a ton this year with Jordan Love, but I feel like that's the next step in the progression here, right? Just keep building and continue to add to the repertoire of the passing game.
2: I have two things. The first one's really okay. quick. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would have loved Dontavian Wicks. I was thinking the same thing. He yeah. would have loved him. Yeah. The off the off script plays and like just like the catch radius and everything. He's awesome. My other thing is, am I crazy to think like okay, yes. Toure has had his moments, but like it's not working. <laughs> it's not been working for a few weeks. Bo Melton, four for forty four yards on six targets. Samari Touré, two targets, nothing. Zeroes across the board. It's the same thing. Drops are happening previous weeks, too. I'm just like, can we just maybe just shuffle this around a little bit? And I, I did text you, Spencer. I want to see Grant Debose. If he's not ready, fine. But, like, I don't know that Samari, and granted this week was an anomaly, everybody was hurt, but like I don't know that Samari's really seen the field the rest of the year, unfortunately. well, And when
3: he has, he hasn't shown that
1: he deserves to see
3: He's the dropping field. the ball.
1: Well, what I said to you, Todd, was, yes, we can get upset about that, but we're literally talking about the seventh receiver I know. <laughs> on this team right now. I you know,
2: know, but it's conceivable, Bolt Melton's probably not sticking around right yeah debose could well stick around maybe Bo melton i mean after this week maybe he does stick around actually because he was pretty productive
1: i think it's a thing where samari Ture. i'd like to move on from him but we're so banged up at the position maybe you know swapping him for bo melton on the practice squad sure right. but i don't think anyone's coming crawling for these for these wideouts here um Running backs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Patrick Taylor. Aaron Jones, you know, we already said, great game. Best game since week one. Nice to see him look like himself again. Um, And, yeah, it was once again, you know, I've gotten on A.J. Dillon a bunch this year. Uh, Great game out of him. Once again, giving us 1.7 yards per carry. I know that thumb probably slowed up his legs carrying the ball, but, you know, wasn't able to produce. Uh, But just seeing the difference of a number one running back versus Whatever the fuck you want to call Twitch streamer AJ Dillon. Uh, Patrick Taylor actually outsnapped AJ Dillon this game too, which I guess isn't too much of a surprise just because he's a very good pass blocker and AJ Dillon has that broken thumb. Nice to see AJ Dillon get that uh, touchdown too. Uh, did Aaron Jones have a touchdown? No? Uh, No. Okay, well, I'm glad AJ was able to do that. I'm sure he got his followers up for that. But anything else with the running game? I don't think there's a ton to add here. Nice to see us actually run well for the first time it seems like quite a few weeks.
3: I need to defend AJ Dillon, I think, for the first time all season. I'm going to cut him some slack on the game on Sunday. It seemed to me that he wasn't completely comfortable with the thumb trying to hold the ball and figure out how to protect it. And it also seemed like... LaFleur was really only using him in short yardage situations. So it's not like he had a ton of opportunities or a ton of space to really break anything. And also, to your point, Aaron Jones had a great game. So
2: continue to feed the hot hand. I think if you put AJ Dillon in a time machine and you just sent him back 30 years, he would be a rock star, maybe 40. He might have to go 40 years back. He would be a rock star, just how powerful he is. Nobody was fast back then, right? Nobody moved laterally, right? So you don't have to worry about it. So I don't know. Maybe, is but it, he- I think if you sent anyone back that
1: far, they'd fuck. Renaissance Patrick, man. Patrick Taylor would blow the doors off of the nineteen 1940- forty. NFL
2: you know what I mean I, and I know I think Samari Toure still years. has the same that's stat 80 line years. whatever I, I don't know Some, Samari Toure same stat line I don't think we're getting anything better
1: yeah Samari okay
2: Samari Toure might be an exception. I don't know AG Jones fine it's just fucking bad. he is fine he when he runs I mean he was serviceable he ran hard these last few weeks which is more than I thought prior to that and at the beginning of the year like and last year even like he actually ran hard this year give him credit and, like, he did lower his shoulder. But, like, when you see him out in space, if it's not a reception where he's down the field 5, 10 yards already, it's like, oof. He's getting 3.4 yards on the season.
1: He He's not a good running back. He's just not a good. But, he, he's but the as most, a 2, he's, he's most okay. confusing pass-catching. No, no, he's <laughs> not even good. Jamal, let's look at what we're comparing number two running backs. Would you rather have Jamal Williams than A.J. Dillon? would you rather have James Stark yeah, than AJ Dillon? you got to say would you rather have Brandon Jackson than A.G. Dillon? I would say I'd rather have all of those guys than AJ. Average
2: Dillon. number 2 though. Like those are good number 2s. He's an average number 2.
1: I don't even know even I don't know. He, it's I mean it's the old cliche where what you need, you need 3 yards, he's going to get you 3. You need 6 yards, he's going to get you 3. You know, that's just who he is. <laughs> you need 1, he'll yeah. get you 1. Yeah, yeah. Uh the offensive line Walker, Yash, Elton, Myers, Renian, Tom, and uh, Sean Ryan again too. Yash only had one snap. Rasheed Walker again had a halfway decent game. So I'm still thinking a lot of people are saying maybe tackle isn't going to be as high of a need. I find that hard to believe. I'd rather get a premier tackle to throw in there because especially next year, Yash won't be back. Zach Tom's going to be the right tackle. But I don't know if I want to go into and I don't want to get uh, too ahead of myself but I think the next three years are going to be our best chance to win a Super Bowl over the next 10 perhaps just because of this young core that we have so I want the least amount of question marks on offense as possible so I don't think we're going to bring David Terry back but I also don't want to go into training camp with a battle of Rashid Walker Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuda going on at uh At tackle, so I don't know if you guys have anything to add with the offensive line, but
2: I agree with you in the next three years idea of just that, like this offense could explode here in the next two years for sure. Um, And to eliminate all the question marks, I think if you don't bring Dave back, right? If if it's looking like he's not going to be healthy going forward, whatever the case may be, or maybe if you do bring him back, still draft an interior. You know, in the middle rounds Or have um, or have like an injury
1: clause In whatever contract you fucking give them Exactly, yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly Something like that I, I'm all for shoring up the offensive line Because year in and year out in the NFL If you have a good offensive line And a good defensive line You're going to be successful, right? I mean, those two things seem to matter On average more than anything else Obviously good quarterback is a huge part of it But in general, I mean, I agree with that sentiment Of like, hey, let's just let's shore it up Let's get rid of all of our weaknesses on offense. Yeah, and
1: that, I think that was kind of the most um, depressing thing about the 2014 NFC Championship game is because that was probably the best offensive line in Packers history with uh, Blaga, Sitton, Corey Lindsley, TJ Lang. Lindsley, yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, Bakhtiari or Belag, whatever. I didn't name there, but yeah, Billy.
3: I thought the offensive line played well running game was productive and Jordan love was kept really clean. They only had that one sack and it, I didn't, I, I know I saw a replay on Sunday. I don't remember what exactly what happened. I don't know if they sent one more than we could block or if it was a breakdown up front. But other than that, it seemed like he had you know, plenty of time to sit back there and pick them apart. But I agree with you. I think the offensive line, it needs to needs to be addressed to some extent in the off season but i was just thinking like if you were to take the offense right now even with the offensive line in the condition it's in if we had a top let's say a top 10 to 12 ranked defense where do you think we are in the nfc you think we're a two seed i mean yep. the nfc is not it's not that impressive yeah. this year this would be a with great the division. Year. It,
1: this this year feels like uh was it what uh, was it two, 2018 when the Vikings were in the NFC Championship game with Case Uh Keenan?
3: It was the 2017 season because it was my it was first year. was the
1: 2018
2: a... Super Bowl, yes. Okay,
1: yeah. that's what this year feels like. Like, there's anyone in the league just about that could win the Super Bowl, it feels like. Because what, the Niners were always the top dog, and then Brock Purdy goes out and throws four picks, and who knows how that's going to go. So, um, yeah. With that, we will have a quick commercial break.
0: What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it.
1: And we are back with the defense. The defense, as you already know, embarrassing, letting up 30 points to Bryce Young, his first best game of his career now, over 300 yards. You remember how the Packers took them over a year to have a 300-yard passing game, and it took all of one game for Bryce Young against, uh, God, I almost said Dom Capers, Joe Barry's defense. I don't know. They tried a couple new things. The first half, they did play a little bit more man, and they did blitz a little bit more. And then in the second half, they went back to the zone shit and were getting ripped apart. And, I mean, just a couple embarrassing plays. There was the Amir uh, Smith-Marzette-whatever touchdown, that little jet sweep thing where Jair decided to give a half-ass tackle attempt. Keyshawn and Anthony Johnson Jr. couldn't make the tackle. Not great. Um Not all bad. The fourth down stop from J.J. and McDuffie, once again, pretty nice. It's nice how like McDuffie and Eric Wilson are randomly popping up on like these short yardage fourth down stops. Um, And then still, we talked about a little bit at the top, but the uh, you know what? We didn't talk about this with Dobbs (laughs) going way back. The, the catch, so Adam Thielen bitching about that. Uh, remember the Dobbs catch on the sideline? Yeah. What pisses me off is it's like people just disconnect their fucking brains where you see one angle. When you see the angle from, like, the line of scrimmage, you see the ball hit the ground, and you're like, oh, that might not be a catch. But then when you watch the entire replay from the other position, you can see Dobbs has two hands on the ball or a wrist on the ball – The entire time. And everyone's just so focused on the one angle where it looks like a drop that the other angle, it's like, ah, well, that doesn't matter. It's like, put everything together and we can assume he caught the ball. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. I know he completely derailed impact of the offense.
2: The the ability for the NFL to make a catch clear, they have it's never going to happen. We've crossed that path. We're into no man's land and we're going to be here forever. So it just nothing surprises me anymore. I,
3: I've said for years, I don't know what a catch is in football. I don't know what a blocker charges charge is in basketball. I've just accepted I'm never going to know. Um, you know, this one too, like he rolls over and out of bounds and then the ball touches on the ground. So is he technically down and out of bounds before the ball touches? I don't know. And it seems like nobody knows. So unless it's blatant, and I don't think this one was blatant, I can see why the Panthers would complain because it was obviously a big play in the game, but I also don't really know that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it makes a huge difference.
1: It was one of those, if they called it incomplete, it would have stayed incomplete. Yes. It was called a right. catch. It's going to stay a catch. Um, back to the defense. The other thing, I don't know if you guys saw this too. I forgot who tweeted it out, but looking at DVOA, you know, how productive... Per play on offense and defense. On defense, if you eliminate the Rams game where we went up against Brett Rippin, who I think he might be on a practice squad now. I believe he got he wasn't Rippin, wasn't ripping. If you get rid of that game and that defensive performance from the Packers, the Packers are the worst defense in the NFL. Per you play, also, you
2: also
3: you also have to rate. You have to weight that DVOA based on more recent Math, games to get more weight. So data is that is that an appropriate way to do it i don't know it it feels like you're trying to invent a stat to prove a point like nobody needs
2: that stat to know that the green bay defense sucks i'm too dumb for dvoa Mm -hmm. all i needed to hear was 32 yeah (laughs) out of 32 (laughs) that's all yeah that's pretty much it i'm Uh, too dumb Talking about the front seven, I don't
1: have a ton here. I mean, just two sacks from the defense. We did hold them to a 3.8-yard average, which is nice. Preston had a really nice game. He had a sack and a half. I mean, (laughs) especially, and I'm sure it would be anyone, but Preston especially, he just made young Look young. He looked like a child when Preston
2: got him and just threw him he's
0: to the ground. He's a big boy.
2: <laughs> he's and Bryce Young is not a big dude, but like when or sorry, when Bryce Young is not a big dude, but Preston, like when he comes around the corner, mm-hmm. just barreling slowly, it's like uh, that's a little, that's a little freaky. I think I've talked about before.
1: Preston almost has, like, the natural um, fanny pack. Like, he's had a paunch on his belly oh, yeah. for a while. Like, you can always see his belly He's like button. if
2: Julius Peppers was eating good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And something else, too. That I think it was Robert Smith was the color commentator on this game. Every quarterback hit. And I think there was multiple flags for unnecessary roughness or late hit on the quarterbacks whatever. He's like, oh, he put his body weight on him. It's like, no, he didn't. It, just hitting someone isn't body weight. It's... Ugh, everything sucks with the nfl now yes. i wonder if we're gonna get to the like what the nba is dealing with with the flopping and i think it's kind of happened a little bit in the nfl but not something that our defense really has to worry about because we play patty cake half the time when we're trying to make tackles um yeah i didn't have anything else really with the front seven there uh mcduffie i still
2: yeah mcduffie that was the one thing i wanted to talk about so
1: devondre campbell last week kind of talked about that how he tweeted how he's not gonna play hurt anymore well he didn't play this week um i don't think he's probably gonna play this week either which is fine because i think mcduffie's better and i've always kind of liked mcduffie's you know it's up and down but it's mostly up and once again he's someone who at least plays with that energy that you're looking for from your inside linebacker position so him and Quaid together could be a lot worse, especially in the run game where McDuffie has
2: played pretty well. Watching Isaiah McDuffie, I think he had a couple nice plays where he's reaching on the outside, one with LVN, one with, mm-hmm. uh, who was it, Inibare, right? So yep, it's like, yep. this dude, week in and week out, is making some plays. He's not a freak athlete, but he's just there, right? Like He almost gives you the opportunity to like draft a project inside linebacker, and he can start for, you know most of the year next year. Like, this dude's serviceable. He's he's way better than whatever we're paying him, and it's awesome. Like, I love to see guys like that that are playing above above their pay grade and just going out there and making plays on Sundays. Like, it's a lot of fun to watch.
1: The defensive line, too, it's been interesting. The It's pretty much Kenny, Wyatt, and Slayton who get the majority of the snaps. Now, Carl Brooks is taking a bit of a backseat, which I don't know if I – completely agree with I don't know fucking anything either but I keep waiting for Devonta Wyatt to turn into a thing and then again this week he had a fucking knucklehead play where he jumped on the pile it's
2: like what the fuck are we doing okay but that play two guys jumped on the pile before him he was the third there and neither of those guys got in trouble so that's also he bad was refereeing. also two two steps after the other two and probably two hundred pounds more than the other. But guys. they literally—it's a live ball. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, sure. like dude,
3: I don't. There's no whistle Ex- except no. It was not a live ball. He was ruled down.
2: But there wasn't. I I didn't hear a whistle anyway. I don't know. Neither just, did he. Yeah. I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, didn't what's his name? Um, yeah. Uh, Carl Brooks rate out really well again too. Like every I feel he usually like every does a week. He grades out as, like, our top defender. Yeah. Is, it's just surprising it, to me. The
1: last month or so, he hasn't popped up as much, but it's, again, I don't think it's, you know, it, it won't be a Dean Lowry effect, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what he turns into. And it's it's odd because, again, with this defense, it's like we need a hard ass in the middle, I feel like, but we're not going to invest at an inside linebacker.
2: And like then you again, think we need like a Mike Daniels in the middle. Well, kind
1: of, you know. But it's yeah. but then at the same time, it's like, and I think it's just you know the product of being a fan and being familiar with these guys. But it's like Slayton's fine. Kenny Clark's obviously good. Carl Brooks, I think, is going to be a player. And then it's like Devonta White. You
2: know, he's up and down. But it's like, is it really as big of a need? I don't know. Um, the secondary. I did. I did just yeah. pull something up really quick on Ooh, the Jacob you. Morley tweeted the top PFF grades versus Carolina. Mm-hmm. The defense. Carl Brooks. 80 he was the number one okay lvn 71 he was the number two and preston smith was number three colby wooden was number four so Hmm. interesting yeah well i guess guess maybe interesting
1: group we'll see next year depending on oh i swear to god if we don't we don't fucking move on from joe barry i i no we will we we fucking better i swear yeah if we make the play i don't know uh secondary Jair alexander played for the first time in uh, after taking six games off, he is injured. He does have that. I think I said it last week, but a grade two, uh, MC joint sprain in his shoulder. That uh, mm, some yes. some a- letters AC joint AC. See, I knew That's it. right here. Yeah. Okay. There you go. MCL
3: is in your leg. Um, yeah. For for those of you watching on your computer right now, <laughs> Todd was pointing <laughs> I to I his shoulder. I circled my shoulder
1: with my thumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jair Alexander, I mean, kind of expected, but didn't have much of an interest in tackling in this game. We saw it a couple times. He did have that kind of forced fumble that the Panthers ended up recovering themselves. He was in on that Amir, whatever, touchdown on that reverse that ended up scoring. Again, um Eric Stokes played the majority of snaps at corner, and he let up both of the DJ Chark touchdowns, which isn't very good. Anthony, Va- or Anthony Valentine. um Carrington Valentine only had where's here two snaps on defense. Valentine had zero. Um Anthony Johnson Jr who got that unnecessary roughness which sucks. It was head-to-head contact it looked like, but he played 98% of the snaps. Uh Rudy Ford only played six snaps on defense which was interesting and I don't think Anthony Johnson Jr played exceptionally well, but I'm glad to see a change on the defense and at least have someone out there who has some type of ceiling rather than just putting Rudy Ford out there again. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the secondary.
3: Anthony Johnson Jr. was the only person that I really wanted to mention because I also didn't think that he played all that well. He was in on a lot of tackles, which I guess is okay, but it seemed like whenever he was in on a tackle and there were multiple others that he missed, like it seemed like he was getting run through or run over. While he was making the stop, which doesn't give me any warm and fuzzies about the back end there.
2: What was Anthony Johnson's strength in
1: college? Well, that's the thing with him because he is the ultimate project. You know, he only played right. safety for one year. He's another decent ras guy. I think they've talked about his instincts okay. and playing the ball, but I don't know if there was a huge like definition on what he is as a player coming. Obviously, he was a seven. He's like draft a. Too.
2: The the issue that I have is that he's just like a guy, right? There's nothing that you're like, oh, Atari Bigby, like he's going to smack you, right? And then you got other guys that you're like, oh, they can cover. And I'm like, Anthony, I'm like, what is he good at? Like, what is he? I don't know.
3: And I think that's what, I mean, that's what we're trying to figure out. And that's why he played 98% of the snaps is we don't know. And so, like you said, Spencer, why not give him a shot? We know what Rudy Ford is already. And... I, I don't know what Rudy Ford's contract situation is next year if he's coming back or not but I don't why so. not give the rookie a chance a youngster see if he flashes and you know maybe uh start to dictate a decision on him for next year whether he's going to make the team or not or what his position is going forward
1: I would I would guess barring drafting a safety which seems very likely which I think
2: I've
3: we said that last year
1: yeah Right, there was nobody to draft last year. Though. Yeah, there was. There really wasn't because uh, it was
2: Brian Branch. Brian
3: Branch, and we decided not to take him.
2: Hey,
1: if hopefully if if things line up correctly, we did send a Christmas card to Tyler Newbin and his wife, fiance or whatever. The safety of the Gophers. So if if the Packers draft him, I will be so happy because I'm going to bother the shit out of my girlfriend, fiance, to um, convince her friend to have her husband. <laughs> Come on, my, my stupid fucking Wait, so podcast. Your,
2: your fiance's friends with Newbin's. My friend? My, my or fiance? My, fi- my wife fiance's or whatever.
1: school friend.
2: Okay. Or, they're in law school. Her husband is Tyler Newbin. Oh, they're married? Yes. So you need to have a dinner date. You should host. A dinner party, yeah.
1: Well, that's the thing. That that's what uh, they had been talking to, because she's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to be on campus. We're going to be in Florida for while he's training for the draft and shit." Mm. So it's like, God, that's cool. It's like it's a real life thing, huh? These these people actually exist in the w- real world. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. Safeties, we'll see with Anthony Johnson Jr. I still like the potential from him again Ryan Downer's talked him up to the safety coach how every week he's getting better cuz he's actually learning the position he probably hasn't even played 16 games at safety in his life so i would just like
2: to see like a thing like what is your identity he has like, hope that he has an identity and if it's ball skills great but i don't know we'll see it's very very
1: you know young in his NFL career uh, special teams totally. Anders missed an extra point LVN had the rush roughing the punter again it's just Rich Passaccia keeps getting away roughing. with this yeah I didn't see a good replay that no was driving. running into
2: but I think it's since that you to be the hit complaint. the plant leg it's mm-hmm. automatically roughing but it was like he just fell he even like turtled oh, to yeah. try and not hit him I it clipped that plant leg
1: I never saw a good replay of it but I don't know. I'm still in the hashtag. You know, there's so much crap going on, and Matt's just such a baby when it comes to this shit where he's not going to move on from Rich. But the special teams have not been better, and I just keep saying it. If, if you gave Maurice Drayton these same players who have experience playing special teams, I don't think it would be that much of a difference. But whatever. We'll see. Anything else in this game before take news?
2: Maybe we could get a second special teams coach to coach up extra points well that's okay <laughs> that's kind I, of the thing too. I, we we have I an think... extra assistant
1: special teams <laughs> coach oh. than we had in the past under rich but it, and it's still not enough
2: we have an extra coach still not enough to how many coaches it. do you need on special teams does anybody know what the average number of like two right two wasn't
1: enough now we're up to three i don't think four okay. would be enough in green bay apparently to get it turned around but yeah you know, apparently one yeah, per
3: I- guy I- Apparently, I just need to defend everybody that's getting hated oh. on this episode because Oh, don't. The missed extra point. Who are you it, defending? It's not on Rich Pisaccia; It's on the long snapper. It was a high snap. Sure. So until Rich Pisaccia, and I'm sure Rich Pisaccia is telling this dude, hey, don't snap it high, don't snap it low, snap it on the money. Like So you are blaming it on
2: Matt Orzich. What
3: yes. about what
1: about how we lead the league and penalties on special teams? Right.
3: So that absolutely one hundred percent Rich Pisaccia. But do not do not come in here with bold claims that we need to have a separate extra point. Special teams coach because he's going to teach Matt Orzich to not snap it high. It was
2: my idea, so obviously I like it.
3: Let's just hire somebody that's going to coach the team to not have a bunch of bonehead penalties.
2: Well, Let's hire somebody who hires good coaches.
1: Who, I, I can't look it up, but who is the long snapper for the Panthers in this game? J.J. Jansen. Probably J.J. Jansen, who was the Packers' long snapper back in 2010, 2011, I know, and we traded him I for think, a conditional seventh-round pick.
3: I think he was only like a training camp guy, though.
1: He was, and we were going through injuries at the time, and we ended up scooping up Brett Good then as well, Ooh. I want to say, or uh, there was some shit going on, but Friend either way, program. we could have had a long snapper, and now we've gone through Hunter Bradley, Uh, fucking the guy we had last year, the guy from Iowa State before that, whatever. Either way, take news for the week. Football time. Take news. All right, take news for the week. Shit is not going great for the Green Bay Packers on the defensive side, not just on the field, but off it. Uh, I'm sure... Everyone saw today that Jager Alexander was suspended for one game for a conduct detrimental to the team. And every Packer account made some funny joke about how, oh, if you're getting suspended for being detrimental to the team, shouldn't Joe Perry be suspended? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a good joke. Oh, yeah. It was only made a hundred times on, it. on the Twitter I love machine. It. I'm surprised that both Barry and detrimental weren't like trending together or something. Um. yeah, once again, glad we got rid of that uh, quarterback, and now we have a cornerback who's bringing distractions to the team. Again, I'm going to go over, I know a couple weeks ago we talked about just the injury shit with Jair Alexander, but I think we've done a pretty good job of covering how it's more than just the injury thing and everything else around it that has been the issue. So... And again, I want to take a little victory lap here because we had the likes of, you know, Tyler Herrick from Chisa TV, Andy Herman, Zach Cruz, all these guys saying, oh, people are overreacting to this Jair Alexander injury stuff. Like, I, him being suspended is not surprising to me ever since he didn't travel with the, with the team to that Giants game. That was the biggest red flag. And what do you know? You know, it, it ended up being a big deal. So here is the full timeline, I would say for Jair turning into a distraction. And it goes further back than you might think. First off, if you remember this time, well, further than that, the start of the 2022 season, Jair Alexander was not named a captain <laughs> for the Packers oh no. for the Zedarius
2: season. Oh, Smith syndrome.
1: It was literally the year after the Zedarius shit, where after he wasn't named captain, Rob Domofsky asked him if he took it personally that he was the captain the previous year. That year he wasn't. Did you take it personally? Jira said yes, I did, and he was obviously a bit of a malcontent. Week one, going up against Justin Jefferson, he was obviously pissed off that he wasn't matched up against him. He publicly let that be known. Later that season, also the defensive back coach Jerry Gray, the most defense, the most respected uh, position coach for that team, he came out and said that he was running a scheme that it wasn't his. You know, he should talk. The media should talk to Joe Barry about it. And I think that also kind of started this, the guys in the secondary versus Joe Barry as well. I You can't tell me that Jerry Gray wasn't talking some shit about, one, the defense, or just Joe Barry in general and the way that he's running the defense. Because, I don't know if you know this, they've been pretty bad under him ever since he took over. So then, we also saw Jair in 2022 against the Bears kind of free Roman doing whatever he wanted in that game. EQ burnt him. Um, Nikhil Harry burnt him in that game. But you could see him kind of just free range and doing shit. So then, you know, back to this year, Packers don't have captains this year. We used to have – this is the first time under Matt LaFleur where we don't have season-long captains. We have a new cap set of captains every single game, and we obviously saw that on Sunday where it was Aaron Jones, um, Quay Walker, and Eric – Eric Wilson, who was the uh, special teams captain. So, fast forward, you know, to the season. Jair has that back injury, and he plays through it. Well, one, the Raiders game. He pretty much admitted that he wouldn't have played in that game if he wasn't going up against Devontae Adams, went up against him, and then he was banged up again, didn't really play. Then he comes back for the Rams game, which we pointed out at the time that he was given a game ball. This was the first game after Resul Douglas was gone. And it was Jair playing through an injury. And I thought it was telling that after the game, Jair got a game ball. He had a pick in the game, but I don't think he had that great of a game.
3: He he didn't have a pick in the that game.
1: Are you sure? Positive. Have, I, I think I I have a have Pittsburgh game.
3: He doesn't have an interception all year.
1: That can't be right. I'm almost positive he had a pick in that Rams game. I'm
3: I'm on the ESPN game log against LA. He had seven total tackles and he had a stuff in the run game that was it god maybe he doesn't he does not have an interception this year he is a forced fumble against carolina that's it
1: maybe i'm thinking he i think he tipped the ball up and anthony johnson jr picked
2: that that is what he did yes i think that's what it was oh yeah that does ring a bell
1: anyway so he was given a game ball for that and i think that was as you know as a symbolic thing that matt was doing where he's like hey you played through an injury." Thank you for doing that. Also, it's your secondary now. Razul Douglas is gone. Well, then Jair doesn't play for six weeks. We talked about that before. He talked to the media and it was all weird. He said that he's not going to play unless he's feeling, you know, like himself or 100%. Yada, yada, yada. Has a weird shit where he says he's going to lie to the media. Doesn't travel with the team to New York, which, again, seems to be one of the reasons why he was fine. I'm sure something popped up then. But so then then we get to Sunday where for those who didn't know, Jair won. (laughs) He was not named captain, played in Charlotte. That's where he's from. And he went up with the captains. He called (laughs) the coin toss, got it right, which is, you know, congrats to him. A lot of people think that's really funny that he got it right. But then he said that he wants his defense out on the field, which could have been implied that we wanted to kick, which if he picked to kick, we'd be kicking twice because you have to defer. And apparently Matt said post-game, that he talked to the refs ahead of time because if there was some hoopla earlier this year where they almost fucked it up somehow again that they had an incorrect like wanting to kick it off or whatever I don't know but Matt kind of saved the day by talking to the refs ahead of time and it's one of the reasons why it was questioned but after the game Jair really didn't seem to care too much about it you know they asked him and he's like oh yeah no one really talked to me I'm from Charlotte coach probably didn't know so Right there in the vacuum. What did what did you guys think of Jair leading up to this and his conduct on Sunday? Was it worth a suspension, do you think? Or, you know, is, has it been I don't know. What what do you think of how Jair was?
2: I kind of <clears throat> I kind of agree with the suspension more along the lines of like to send the message of like you can't just you can't just go around and do whatever you want. Like this is a professional football team. When the coach says these are the three captains, those are the three captains. Like just because you were born in Charlotte doesn't mean anything. Like I figure it out. Talk to the coach. Like what well, I don't know. Just like I I agree with it in principle. Of like this is a professional football team. You can't just go fuck around and do whatever you want.
1: So there is. Uh, I will add to this. Usually, what they do do is if it is like your you know home game for Boop. you, or you got family coming, they will make you captain. That does happen quite a bit. But I don't know if you remember this about Jair, but he hasn't played too much this year, and they announced captains on Fridays. So one of those things, if Matt knew Jair was playing, he probably would have been a captain because he wasn't, and he has been playing, he wasn't named captain. Billy, do you have any thoughts on if he should have been suspended or how Jair's been this year?
3: So I agree with you, Todd, that it's one of those deals where this is a professional football team as well, or so we're told at times, um, but you just can't go about doing whatever it is that you want to do. Um, second, and Spencer, I, I tried to, to express this to you earlier today when you told me that uh, he'd been suspended, but if being a captain means so much to you, you need to act like it. There are expectations that come with being a captain and going against, you know, whatever the coach says is not one of them. If the coach didn't make you a captain, maybe figure out a way to be a better leader so that you could be a captain next week. If it really means that damn much to you. Also,
1: you paused. Okay. yeah.
3: Also. uh, So Spencer, how many captains do we normally name for a game? Is it three? Three offense, defense, and special teams. Okay. So does that mean we had four out there at the coin toss? Yes. Okay. So obviously Matt LaFleur in the moment would have known this and recognized that we had four guys out there. And then, I mean, I played football in junior high. I was a captain my eighth grade year. Not that it means anything. Wow. But I specifically remember being told before every game, by the coach, okay, if we win the toss, say this. If we lose the toss, you don't say anything. Like, it was either we want the ball or we defer. It Like, it was crystal clear to an eighth grader. How is it not crystal clear to a professional? Well, he so, probably told the captains. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Fair. But, so then Jair does all this shit and goes against Lafleur. Why didn't LaFleur just bench Jair for the entire game? Like, why yeah. let him play in this game and then bench him for this game? That
1: would be my only gripe here.
2: Give your buddy Joe a chance to save his job.
1: That's what it has to be. <laughs> yeah. So that and That's kind of what I want to get into, too. Because, one, I'm pissed at Jair. You know, we've talked about it all year. But, Matt, honey... What are you doing? Oh, he gives him the honey. Because that. So, so then today on uh, what is it? It's today Wednesday. Wednesday was the first first presser of the week. So, and like we talked about, post game Jair said nobody came up and talked to him about the coin toss thing. You know, and this was the locker room after the game. No one had talked to him about it yet. So then today, you know, it came out, Jr. was suspended. It was Brian Gutekunst putting out a statement. It wasn't a joint statement, but then Matt afterwards said that he was obviously part of it, which, I don't know, that part's kind of weird, too. I do believe he was obviously part of it, but it's one of those things, too, where it's like Matt just can't take charge of some of these things. But the press here today, too, just just not great. Uh, Here was one... (laughs) One quote when asked if it was just about the coin toss, he said it's never for one thing, implying other things have happened behind the scenes. Once again, Jair not traveling uh, with the team to New York. Uh, When asked about Jair saying that he doesn't talk to Matt, Matt's response was that he, uh, at the end of his long answer, where he kind of just filibustered and didn't say anything, he said their communication would be better because of this, pretty much confirming that him and Jair don't really talk. One, during this injury shit, But two, he didn't even fucking ream him out when this coin toss shit happened. So then, you know, Matt wouldn't say if Jair had been fined, but it sounds like he's also been fined. And then we need to talk about this. And this is the clip that's kind of gone viral on Twitter. People have shared it a lot. But this was, and this is the Cheesehead TV, uh, they put it out there. But this was Matt, you know, he had already answered a lot of questions about Jair, but his job is the head coach. This is now Bill Huber in the presser. Asking Matt about Jair, what he did was disrespectful to you and the team. Is that uh,
2: Minnesota Vikings?
1: <laughs> no, J- okay, Jair to you. That seems disrespectful. Listen,
3: I'm going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings, Bill. With all due respect,
1: okay. can that relationship be saved? I mean, you, you seem
3: the Minnesota Vikings scared. relationship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I get what you're coming from, but it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. I,
3: I, okay, uh, oh, this cool. is the last. I'm going to talk about it, yeah. Bill. With all due respect, um, I absolutely am confident that the relationship between me and Jair 100% will be better for this. I really believe it. Uh, We had a great conversation this morning, Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to having him back a part of this football team and being a big part of it moving forward.
1: So this is, and we've talked about it really on the podcast since Matt's been a coach, where I've had these questions about him as a leader in front of you know a group of men and now this shit he's so bad at talking to the media one with the injuries we saw it with one Zadarius years ago David Bakhtiari this year and then Jair Alexander it's like he gets so emotional about this shit it's like give him some shitty fucking answers where you don't say anything Mike McCarthy's big thing was be boring by design that's all you have to do Instead, you're trying to get these wisecracks back to the media, where you're on to the Vikings or whatever. It's like, one, Matt, I know your winning percentage is really high, but you're not Bill Belichick. On top of that, the fact that Bill is still asking the question, which is fucking hilarious, shows you that even the media doesn't respect him the way he thinks that they do. Because he thought he was going to give them that, oh Vikings, oh the you know the attitude, the relationship with the Vikings or whatever. No, dude, he's still going to ask you the question because you have to answer these questions when shit's going awry. So my big question here, and maybe you know my take, but are you who are you more upset with, Jair or Matt LaFleur? Because to me, I'm pissed at Matt LaFleur because he's let this shit go on. It sure appears that he hasn't squashed whatever the fuck has been going on with Jair all season. And like we spelled out here, this shit's been going on since last year. And I tweeted this out there too. I wonder what the world is like right now for the Green Bay Packers if after the Titans Thursday night game last year or that Eagles game where we got obliterated, if we had fired Joe Barry then and made Jerry Gray our defensive coordinator. Maybe we even move on from Jerry Gray after that season. But the fact that now it's been two years of Jair Alexander not respecting the defensive coordinator, I don't think respecting the head coach all that much, and matches being fine with mediocrity in the defense, and just letting guys keep their jobs, whether it's coaches or even defensive players or offensive players. We see how much Royce Newman has played for this team. It brings me back, and how it all started, was fucking Amari Rogers. The fact that that bum, and I'm sorry, but he's a bum, and he was able to be a punt returner as long as he was, to the point where Goody had to pretty much cut the guy so that we weren't using him anymore on even the kickoffs. It's just... Who are you guys more are you more pissed at Jayer or are you more more pissed at Matt for the way he's running this team right now?
2: There's a lot to unpack here. Um I think so I think I'm more I think in general more mad at LaFleur. I think that what happens from time to time with a few guys is that like the guys get too big for Matt. Like he yeah. he can't rein them in. Like even Bakhtiari, like the comments that he's making in the media. If, if Bakhtiari was under Bill Belichick, he would not be saying what he was saying about the Packers media in the offseason. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. But, like, if if he respected the coach and respected the organization, he wouldn't have called them out. Yep. It's just it, you wouldn't air it out. It's fine to say that to your buddies, whatever. Like, you'd be a person, right? And if you have those opinions, you have them. And say them in the locker room, whatever. It's funny. But, like, you don't say them in the media if there's somebody above you that you respect in the organization, that's like has charge of the team. And that's what a leader is, right? Like, Hey, you even look at too, like Jay, you're getting suspended. Nobody talked to him. Okay. Uh, The coach needs to be the one to talk to him be like, this is what's going to happen. These are the rules. You're breaking the rules. You can't go out here and do this. And like, I don't know. You see him ream some guys on the sidelines. So it's not that he doesn't get after guys. It's Guys get too big for him is what I see. And it's like, it doesn't matter who they are. Like, you need to rein them in. I don't know. It's a problem. So I want to be clear. I
3: 100% agree. Given where we're at, I 100% agree with suspending Jair for the Minnesota game. I question if we should have just nipped it in the butt right after, you know, it happened in Carolina and just benched his ass and deal with it in the postgame press conference and then move on. And we're not having, we're still having a similar conversation, but it's not leaking into the lead up to the Vikings game right by today, Wednesday. It's over and done with, and we're on to Minnesota that LaFleur wanted to do. One of the things I think about LaFleur is it's almost like he can't decide who he wants to be. Like If he wants to be that hard-ass like Belichick and just whenever he doesn't want to answer a question, say we're on to Minnesota, you needed to start doing that four years ago because like you said, Spencer, the media doesn't respect him when he gives that answer. And If he wants to give a non-answer like McCarthy did, then he needs to do that every time, but he can't kind of go back and forth between giving a long-winded, you know, good thought-out answer with some actual insight and being the nice guy that he is. But then the next <laughs> time it's, I'm going to give him a McCarthy non-answer, and then this time it's the Belichick, you know,
2: no answer at all. Like it, It's too up and down. It's too, like when correct. things are good, he wants to talk to the media. When things are bad, he doesn't want to talk to me. media. It's like, no, like Mike had it right. Be boring. i reminded of when Mike, remember uh, the the trade deadline comment that oh, yeah. Mike had the one year when he's like he was like oh the trade deadline was today they asked him like what is it what is it like mm-hmm. in in green bay around the trade deadline he was like oh that was today he's like that's what it's like <laughs> i mean very much like doesn't care like i don't know like mike McCarthy was like you said boring by design many's an identity and he doesn't have one he's he's his identity is inexperienced when it comes to talking to the media And it seems like on the discipline side, I, 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 that was going to be my my next point is it feels like
3: some of the players have gotten too comfortable with LaFleur. They're not, they're not scared of him or they don't respect him. And we've saw it. We saw it with Bakhtiari, like you mentioned, but now with Jair, you know, Jair's always kind of been a goof and pretty, you know, a little bit of a loose cannon, I guess. Like I, I've never gotten the sense that he takes football, all that seriously he's not a you know the kind of guy that's going to go out and you know talk a bunch of shit about how you know we need to buckle down and blah 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 like he's almost self promoting I guess if that makes sense and it's it feels like it's more about him in some some respects so it feels like LaFleur's almost let him go a little bit off the rails and do whatever the hell he wants and now we're we're seeing Jair just kind of push how far he can go.
1: Well, I think a big part of this, and I'm sure people will love this, but Aaron Rodgers is gone. I talked about it earlier this year with the offensive line, and I don't think it's so much even Rodgers holding people accountable, but him being in that room, in that locker room, this year with him being gone, there's a power vacuum for who's who's the guy. you yeah. know, And I think that's a big part of it. And, it, and I posted this on Twitter today, too, and I think we might have talked about it on the podcast at the time. But last January, when he was on the McAfee show, and they asked him about Rich Passaccia and how he would be as a head coach, Rodgers went out of his way to say how he's great at uh, you know leading a group of men, he gets respect, and he's not trying to be everyone's best friend, and how he holds people accountable. And, oh God, there was something else in there, too. But it's... <laughs> It's one of those things where I don't think he was...
2: It, one, I think he was talking
1: up Rich, but I think it was also pointing out
2: things that Matt LaFleur lacks because there's been several... Things that are lacking in that group of coaching. I mean, that's what it is.
1: And it's something that kind of pissed me off today where I've seen all these people talk about that Nick Wright clip of him, you know, grilling Rodgers, and a lot of it is is correct and true. You know, Rodgers loves Rodgers. But at the same time, he's saying, don't give us this bullshit that you were going to retire. I fully think if the Jets weren't interested that Rodgers was probably going to retire and that's why it was all strung strung along during the off season with his phone not working and all that shit cuz I don't think he believes in Matt LaFleur I don't think he believes in that coaching staff and I don't think he wanted to be a part of a rebuild in Green Bay and it again it's just been my worry about Matt where it sucks because I don't want him to really leave because the offense is great. And again, back to how these next three, four years are going to be huge with all these guys on the rookie deals. And I don't want to change that all around. But fuck, if you can't move on from the worst defensive coordinator in the league and you're making it difficult and you had trouble moving on from a terrible special teams coordinator two years ago in Maurice Drayton, it's like you don't seem to have the backbone to be a head coach. And now it's to the point where if... If we fire, we'll see how the season ends. But if we fired Matt LaFleur this offseason, I'd be fine with it. Because he's just, it's very hard to feel confident about this guy running a football team. Running an offense, I feel great about it. Running a football team,
2: mm mm-mm. I don't think it's that uncommon in the league for for coaches to not move on quick enough from DCs and OCs, I honestly think that that McCarthy had the same issue. How f- how many freaking years was Capers around past his due date? Right, like that dude was he stuck around forever? But Capers and was a
1: defensive mind. He had pr- he had a proven track record beforehand.
2: Fair, fair. But he's also he was a friend of Mike McCarthy. Like that. I'm just making the point that that happens.
1: Yeah, it do- it does happen. But the fact that nationally fans know Joe Barry's name is terrible. You should never know a different coordinator's name
2: that isn't like a premier elite mind or something like that. I'm not as worried about Matt. I I, I don't know what's going to happen. It can be fixed. He just has yes. to. He just has to. They're not your friends. Mm-hmm. They're your coworkers first. They can be your friends later. But like this is a football team like you're going to lose your job. If you keep them around when they suck. So like they can be your friends after work, but like they have to be, this is the professional football league. Like you are under the microscope. There is no letting mediocrity go. It shows up every Sunday, this Sunday in particular, they give it 30 points to freaking Panthers. Like you just have to go. It can be fixed. You just have to go, Hey, it's not working out. Sorry. Like, see you later. Like that's all you have to do. I mean, I, I don't know. Like it can be fixed. I'm not as worried about it as you, Spencer, but I think cause just because I think it can be fixed, and I think LaFleur is still like I do honestly think he's still figuring out what kind of coach he wants to be. Ugh. It sucks. Ugh. It sucks. But like
3: he is kind of. I, I want to be careful here because after the game last week, we were talking about how we we would have been okay if we fired Joe Barry, but we understood why we didn't, because there's no Defensive play caller with experience on the staff. There's no real air apparent on the staff right now. So I don't want this Jair Alexander situation to seep into the Joe Barry situation and say, oh, well, Matt is weak because he won't fire Joe Barry and he's allowing Jair Alexander to go off. Like they're they're both completely true, but they're not related.
2: OK, yeah, so disagree other than the no backbone.
3: Well, but here's but that the, here's related. the thing. Like so now all of a sudden Matt LaFleur doesn't have a backbone because he hasn't fired Joe Barry. We just said last week that it didn't make sense to. We
2: understood why he was holding on to him. So I would say more the Jair thing is the backbone. Part issue, I guess. Part of yeah, it, I get what, I see what you're saying. Part of it is trusting that
1: Matt has some type of pulse on this locker room. And over the last 2 weeks, it's become pretty clear that he does not. And that's why now I wish we would move on. Because what even Jair, I know it's Jair, but even Jair, after the game, they were asking him about how he played, he was playing so far off and stuff. He's like, hey, I'm just I'm just doing what the call is. Like, he clearly does not like Joe Barry. And I think that is one of the reasons yeah. why he wasn't playing earlier this year. Because it's like, what, I, I'm going to go out there with my bum shoulder and I'm going to go play zone. He doesn't want to get up and do that,
3: you know? But so this is also a team trying to make a playoff push. And the three of us also agree we don't want to say, you know, just go and tank the rest of the year because what does it matter? Like, we want to try and make the playoffs because totally doing anything else is loser talk. And we also know that the Packers are not the type of franchise to do that. So... If we were to fire our defensive coordinator as bad as he is, and we hand it over to some dude that doesn't have any play calling experience, he's not going to run any different philosophy than what Joe Barry is we running right that. now. We don't know that. If that's what we've been running for the last three years, they don't have experience running anything else. We're going to try and implement a brand new defense
1: and scheme in week 17 of a season. Give me a break. So to, last week, as you pointed out, we said, eh, It's fine. Going, you know, if Joe Barry comes back, it is now three weeks in a row of terrible defense. It's what you know. You're saying, oh, we're gonna have if we name someone else the DC, is it gonna change? (laughs) Don't don't ask if it's going to be better. Could it possibly be worse? I don't absolutely. Fuck no. Fuck no. Bryce Young, one of the worst quarterbacks, one of the worst offenses in the league, and this is three weeks in a row. We had fucking. Tommy DeVito, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, Baker Mayfield, Dead. NFC Offensive Player of the Week, Bryce Young, the best performance of his career. It's very clear now. You know, two two things. You know, you can have two bad games, but three is a trend. And we've the trend has been going on since Joe Barry took over as DC. There, it, there is no positive to keeping him around any longer. And I know last week I said you're appeasing the fans. It's to the point now where. I don't care. A piece of the fucking locker room because there's obviously something going on here that isn't good. The The players have social media. They're seeing the same shit that we see, all these terrible metrics for this defense. Th- did you see the graph today? Not only does the Packers' defense perform as bad as anyone else in the league, but it's also the the least uh, creative defense in the league where we're calling the same plays over and over again. It's just there's no, there's no benefit. I don't think any longer of keeping Joe Barry around. That was that was a rant. I got a little I got
2: a little mad there. Yes, Todd. So you're calling for the firing of Joe?
1: Something, just fucking anything. Like I said, pull your Matt Lafleur, I'm a nice guy shit. And, I actually and name think... and he's the defensive coordinator, but Ryan Downer, anyone is calling plays. Just
2: do that. He can keep his job if he wants actually, to resign. No, that's not enough. I think you have to fire him if you're going to make a move.
1: Just, but what's this? What what the fuck is this? What is this? There's 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 no good that comes from this. It's Kyle an idiot. I'm not an idiot. Okay, you sure? Yes.
2: <laughs> he
1: is Kyle an idiot for the week? Uh, you guys have been fine all year, whatever. I think these are pretty well, easy. We've been questions. pretty good. Hey. I yes, thank you. Pretty fine, good at minimum. Yeah. Nah, pretty good. Whatever. Okay. What former Packers, I think these are all layups. What former Packers offensive quarterback coach helped convince Brett Favre to come to Minnesota after he was named their offensive coordinator?
3: Daryl Bevel.
1: Yes. Daryl Bevel. He was the Badgers quarterback for a time, too, right? Let
3: him of... to the Rose Bowl.
1: Oh. And a win. Oh, there you go. Uh, very good. That was very easy. I feel like his name popped up a ton back when the whole ed ed warder like camping outside uh farve's house and killed mississippi warder. warder warder what did i say warder i don't care okay i god I don't, yeah i saw him pop up on the tv the other day too was he talking to farve i forgot what it probably not all right probably, number two yeah. what current packer spent their training camp with the vikings this offseason Current packer.
3: Oh, it's uh, it's that linebacker, Wilson. <clears throat> or is it no? It's is it Christian? Is it Christian Welch or Eric
2: Wilson? I think it's Eric Wilson. We'll go Wilson.
1: It is not Eric Wilson. Oh. It, it could Welch might have. I don't think he spent training camp with them, but Ben Sims, which could be something. Really? Yep. He was a undrafted free agent that the Vikings signed and gave him a pretty good uh, guaranteed contract too. And not like you regret anything this late in the season, but with TJ Hawkinson going down with that torn ACL and MCL, I wonder how much Ben Sims would have been able to help them out now. But yes, Ben Sims was the answer, one and one for the week. Moving on. As you may have seen, uh, today, the 27th, it was announced that Julius Peppers is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. How many touchdowns did he have for the Green Bay Packers?
2: Oh. I w- I want to say, I was... Three is what I think, Billy. I don't know. What do you think? I was
3: going to say he had at least two. I know he had two pick sixes in 14 maybe, I think. He had one against Minnesota and one against Philly. So really comes stop
1: there, yes. He had two, okay. and they're both picks, and they were in 2014, and those were the two games. That was very good. Do you know who the two quarterbacks were?
3: I'm going to say Christian Ponder for Minnesota.
1: Yep. The other one's tough. If you get this one, it would be very impressive.
3: For the Eagles.
1: Five. Four. Cobb. Three. Two. two I was say Nick Foles. One. Mark Sanchez. Oh. <laughs> that was a okay. throwback game, too. The Packers had their... Less desirable Acme Packer throwbacks than the blue and tan, which I was always fine with. But yeah, he had a and God, when he catches the ball too, he was a fucking freak. That dude could move for how big he was. So hopefully, he makes I remember the that Hall
3: of Fame. that Minnesota one. Like he ran away from Jarek McKinnon down the sideline. That was yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember Todd and I watched that one um at a bar here in the cities, and it just cleared out at halftime when. Yeah, it it was such a shit show. I think it was like 28 nothing or something.
3: Is that when <laughs> did we drop a 50 burger on them that night?
1: I we might have. If not, I think the Eagles game we did.
3: But I I thought we had like back-to-back games and it might have been those two games where we scored like 40 plus points or something.
1: Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Uh
3: Billy, do you have a stump spenny? Uh yes in 2013 green bay played their final game at the stadium formerly known as the hubert h humphrey (laughs) metrodome here in minneapolis who started that game at wide receiver opposite jordy nelson
1: fuck i was at that game you said the last one in the dome? The last Metrodome. The game. last one in the Metrodome. Micah Hyde had a punt
3: return touchdown. Jordy had a really long <clears throat> touchdown. He had a 76-yarder. He also had one where Rodgers like, threw it like right past Chad Greenway's ear hole yes, into right. Jordy's hands in the end zone. That was amazing. Well, was this 2013? 2013. He was actually our second leading receiver that game with five catches for 89 yards.
1: It wasn't. It wasn't Miles White, was it?
3: Is that your guess? Sure. That's actually a really good guess. <laughs> it is not Miles White. It was Jarrett Boykin. Oh fuck! Friend of the pod but,
1: too. He came on.
3: <laughs> but Miles White was actually the third leading receiver with thirty-five yards in that game. So it wasn't a bad guess at all.
1: Damn! Wow, that's better than I expected. That was either going to be a terrible guess, but I guess you know just off one spot there. So I'll I'll take that. I, I was gonna be I was thinking I was like, fuck, did Miles White even suit up for the Packers? But that was back with like him, DeAndre Borrell, Torrey Gurley, those kind of off and on guys who were playing for the Packers, but mostly off. Yeah, mo- mostly off. But moving on. Packers are playing the Minnesota Vikings this week on Sunday night football. Mike Trico and Chris Collinsworth on the call. Vikings are two point favorites, which you don't feel great about. You know, you do get the three points for being at home, but still, an over under of forty six and a half. Vikings are seven and eight after losing to the Detroit Lions thirty to twenty four at home, and obviously, this is essentially a elimination game for both teams vying for one of the last wild card playoff spots. Again, I know we're at like ninety percent. If we win these final two games. We just need one other game to go our way. I think the Rams losing to the Niners is the big one. Um, yeah, Minnesota Vikings, weird year for them. They're kind of similar to what they were last year, where pretty much all of their games are one possession games. They just have ended up losing more of them than they had previously. Their offense, not great, but they've been kind of feisty all year, obviously kind of going back and forth with the quarterback stuff. Dobbs, you know, the pastronaut turned to the astronaut if you if you spell it with two S's. Uh they're twenty-first in points per game at 20.9, 10th in yards per game at three hundred fifty point two, uh yards per carry three point nine, and eighth in yards per pass at six point nine. They also have one of the worst turnover margins in the league, ranked thirtieth. Not sure who is going to play quarterback. Mullins obviously uh started last week and the week before that he won that game, but it seems like there's a chance Jaron Hall, the rookie, did he finish the game last week against Detroit, or is this just people speculating that he's going to start? Do you do you guys
2: know? Do you remember? I I actually don't remember. I tuned into a little bit of the game, and it was Nick Mullins, so I don't know. I didn't see who finished the game.
3: He might have finished the game, but he didn't record any stats if he did. So.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just speculating because people have been hinting at him uh, starting this game. Uh, Ty Chandler led the team in carries last week with eight Alexander Madison only had two and he did not practice today but I think they only ran the ball like 11 times last week which is really weird to see Justin Jefferson is back last week with six receptions 141 yards he is a freak kg osborne osborne was their second leading pass catcher uh and probably will be with hawkinson as we previously mentioned tearing his acl and mcl that's a bummer jordan addison i know got banged up and didn't practice today so he might be iffy to start as well uh their defense great for what it is you know it's funny i tweeted out last weekend that i wish you know we had uh taken uh god what's his name why can't i think of his name now uh I can, I can see him in Miami. Brian Flores. It's like, oh, it would have been nice if we had hired Brian Flores this offseason. You know, the Vikings had one bad year of Donatel and moved on, and we were, we're sticking with Joe Barry, and, you know, the Vikings kind of shit the bed after that. And, hey, guess what? It was still better than what the Packers' defense put together this week. But for what it is, like I said, pretty good. 13th in yards per game at 320.9, 10th in points per game at 19.9. Fifth in rushing yards allowed uh three point seven per carry and thirteenth in yards per pass at six point seven. And they're both they're middle on the road, both sacks and turnovers. I think it's like fifteenth and seventeenth. Um Daniel Hunter having a great year for them. Once again, fifteen and a half sacks. Uh DJ Wonham, their linebacker, has eight sacks. Uh even P- Ivan Pace Jr., the undrafted rookie, is still one of the better Rookies playing this year, the inside linebacker, he's having a great season. Uh so this guy, <clears throat> Metellus is his last name. I forgot his first name. Josh. Josh Metellus. Josh, yeah. So he have you seen this for what he's played? He's played strong safety, free safety, cornerback, slot corner, left and right, and middle inside linebacker, left and right outside linebacker, and left and right defensive end. He's played every position pretty much on defense for them this year he wears number 44 and apparently is a hell of a player i can't remember ever really hearing someone doing that so pretty interesting he is to like see.
2: box safety extraordinaire is basically like what he is like he is your box safety like the i'm trying to remember who was the Steelers safety that was really good or no i no no sorry i'm thinking jamal adams ah. like a jamal adams-esque okay. is what and that's my take on him anyway
3: well, I think Kyle Hamilton for the Ravens too. Like I just I saw something that he's kind of played just about the same range of positions from nose tackle to deep safety. So kind of interesting to see the way that these different defensive coordinators are using their guys. Whereas we huh, oh, we great. can barely find Very a tempting. safety worth
1: trotting out there. Yeah, I I don't know. I just. I just wish we had a competent defensive coordinator. It Maybe the bright side is, is he's doing such a good job that he'll get hired to be a head coach somewhere this offseason. But, you know, being Green Bay Packer fans, we've never had to worry about that. Only on the offensive side of the ball have we ever had to worry about that. But Packers-Vikings, you know, this is always a really big game, especially for us being down here in the Twin Cities. Billy, I know you're going to be at the game, so that should be fun. Todd and I have talked in the past how, at least for me, the only Packer Viking game I've been to at U.S. Bank was when Rodgers broke his collarbone, so I'm not t- too inclined to go back, and especially I don't know what it is with tickets and shit. Maybe it's just because we're in a big metro area, but get-in tickets for this game are like 400 bucks, maybe, and you look at week 18 against the Bears, you can get in for like under 100 bucks, probably, or right around that. So just interesting to see that shit uh, shake out, but Yeah, game thoughts, ticket thoughts,
2: stadium thoughts, Todd. Mm -hmm. Bad stadium, uh, bad tickets, uh, Mm -hmm. drinks are too expensive, burn the stadium down. Kills too
3: many birds.
2: Kills too many birds. birds. I actually don't care about the birds, but if it's going to get the stadium gone, go for it. I do remember that game too, Todd, how at one point like they were playing
1: music or there was cheering going on, and then all of a sudden all you could hear was the pumped-in noise.
2: They they pump in the noise so blatantly in Minnesota. I don't care about that so much. The horn is horribly annoying. I mean, I could go on for days about how bad that stadium and environment is. I've been there three times, three losses, um, salty. I'm not going back on the other
3: hand todd i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought the atmosphere was great because the packers beat the vikings Ah, clinched the nfc north in prime time on like christmas eve or the day after christmas or whatever it was back in 2019 i had a blast so i can't wait to go back but i'll report back uh next week on if my opinion has changed
1: i'm trying to remember did they so I've been there for other I, – I won uh, free tickets from Bar Trivia for like a monster truck thing. So we went there for that. And I just remember it was very difficult good. to find a bathroom at that place too. And then I went to Guns N' Roses as well. We were up in nosebleeds. And the acoustics for concerts, fucking terrible at that place cuz they don't the, it's not it's not built for concerts it's built to be loud so when you got a rock band playing it sounds like absolute sure. shit but score predictions pretty big game here if we lose the season's
2: pretty much over todd what you got Do I mean the tough thing is is like how many points does Justin Jefferson have by himself? Right, like doesn't matter who the quarterback is, you just throw the ball into the sky, Dante Culpepper style. (laughs) Randy Moss is going to go get it. I struggle with this one a little bit. I don't. I don't like the QB does essentially matter, but it's like, are they going to put up thirty points? I don't know. So I went with twenty eight. I went with twenty eight twenty four. The Packers lose it. It's tough, right? I just didn't – I don't know. That defense, I mean, Justin Jefferson's going to have a day. That's tough.
1: Really?
3: I nearly thought that we were going to have the same prediction there, Todd, and then you almost twisted it at the end. But um, I'm going to say Green Bay 28, Minnesota 27. I continue to pick Green Bay On this late Why don't you change it
1: so that we can have good mojo again? We we
3: just won a game last week. What more do you want from me? Uh, Did we win a game? I don't know. But you're right. It's a question of how many points is the defense going to give up. It feels shootout-ish to me. But, you know, Mullins threw four interceptions against Detroit. So I think there's an opportunity that maybe uh, we can luck ourselves into one, maybe two.
1: So this is probably the most ridiculous score predictions we've had. And Billy, I assume you wrote yours down. I wrote mine down ahead of time too. Uh, I had twenty-eight to twenty-five Packers winning this game. So we've all pretty much got (laughs) the same numbers, just different ways. And then uh, so we all have a twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah, we all have a twenty-eight. And then I have a twenty-five. Billy had a twenty-seven, and Todd, you had a twenty-four. So (laughs) that's pretty crazy but yeah I think it's gonna be close I look 25 points even for Joe Barry and a rookie quarterback potentially I don't know they don't run the ball
2: But the bad quarterbacks he's bad against the bad quarterbacks I I know
1: he's the anti that's the thing he's yes I don't know I don't feel good about it this game could go just about any which way and I wouldn't be overly surprised
2: Todd what is your bold prediction I mean this is a tough one so I is I'm gonna go with an Aaron Jones two touchdown day. Is that bold enough? I am gonna say no. You say no. I w- um, I would agree with that, Spencer. Really? He just hasn't been okay. So I'm. But that's because okay, you're I'm buying. Gonna, you're buying low right now on Aaron Jones. He usually fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um. Okay. I'm gonna sw- I'm gonna switch gears. I'm gonna go back to my my favorite uh, defensive line. Uh, and I'm going to go with sacks, and I'm going to go six sacks. For the defensive line. Okay. That'd be cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that works. Fun. Yeah, that works. Billy? I think it,
3: I think it plays. Yeah. So I'm going to be honest, Spencer. I, oh, thank I you. Made, I made this bold prediction before I found out about uh, Jair Alexander being suspended. <laughs> so that means that this may no longer be bold, but just downright idiotic. Hmm. Justin Ooh. Jefferson held to fewer than 75 receiving yards oh
2: that's okay
3: I mean boldest prediction that's of the year borderline
2: idiotic like I said it unless he gets hurt I was hurt. gonna say I he, mean, could, get he could get hurt it, it feels like with Jefferson you'll be at the game are you gonna throw something at him Ooh. or I mean is, well, we won't talk to is somebody gonna <laughs> help me get bailed out of jail or no I'll come pick you up. Uh, no, okay. Yeah. okay. We, we won't do anything. This is not. Nothing's I happening.
3: I, w- I will put that into the consideration for for the evening on Sunday. But it feels like with JJ, we either let him go absolutely bananas for like a hundred and eighty yards, or we Usually. do <laughs> relatively okay. So yeah. you know what? Screw it. We're down to fucking Corey Ballantyne and Eric Stokes, who's played like one game this year, and Corey Valentine. And poorly. so. we're everybody's assuming the worst so let's just i'm gonna be optimistic if not stupid so the only chance we have
2: is like rudy ford coming in and just laying the lumber on him over the middle of the field and then like he's out and then yep yeah he couldn't (laughs) eclipse 75 yards and nothing like you know (laughs) that rudy ford coming across the middle to wipe you out or or jonathan owens he's been I mean, when he gets a little push from the defender, he can lay the lumber. Yeah, yeah, I
1: suppose. Oh, God, talking about drama, we could have gotten to that whole shit with him and his... That, yeah. that shit's so fucking stupid. Who fucking cares? Uh, and, Billy, you were saying that is a bad bold prediction. My bold prediction was uh, the Allentine picks. Uh, Carrington had two snaps or whatever I said last week, and Valentine <laughs> had none. So that was a really, really bad. I didn't think Jay... I was like, there's no way Jay is going to play in that game. Um but my bold prediction, sticking with picks, sticking with DBs. After getting torched the last two weeks, not playing very well, I have. And, you know, shoot this down if it isn't bold enough. But I have an Eric Stokes INT. I do wonder if maybe his snaps are going to go
2: down a bit. Or th-
1: it'll be very you, interesting to see how they treat that this week. Todd? The yeah? only
2: thing would be is if it's like Nick Mullins throwing the ball. It's like, wow. Well, no matter what. He could throw a pick to anybody. Though. I mean, you know what I mean? All two, like, though.
1: It's the same thing. He could. We don't even know. He could throw way more picks because we've they, they seen could
3: also choose to run the ball like 35 times because they barely yeah. ran it against detroit and we have a terrible run defense and they saw that when they do throw it
2: nick Mullins but what's throws, worse the or large the number of picks the pass he's pretty bad so for what the Rund...
1: packers i think our run d is still worse it's Rundi just been bad the last like couple weeks
2: borderline worst in the league <laughs> Last week was pretty bad, pasty. The
1: best uh, discussions are, well, what's worse, or rundier or pasty? That's just the <laughs> or, world or special of, teams. Yeah, yeah. Just the world of being a Green Bay Packers fan. We might have a quarterback, but outside of that, I'm not sure what else we have. But uh,
3: Not really a change from really the last 15 years, huh?
1: Sadly. Yeah, true. Sadly. Uh, but with that, I don't have anything else. I don't think I have any corrections. It's kind of a... Been a weird week with Christmas, too. Uh, Jingle all the way. I hope everyone had a fantastic holiday season. You know, that's usually you say this at the end of a podcast and at the beginning. Uh, But yeah, if you want, leave a review on Apple or Spotify. Five stars. That would be cool.
2: Have you had any. Spotify, it's like there's like comments, right?
1: Yeah, we did actually have one, it was a little late. Uh, JR, a fan of ours, his name is JR. Uh, god, he said something, I th- it was along the lines of if you want to make the play, making the playoffs or keep Joe Barry, but it, it's it's like went out, and I don't know, it just always comes back to I. I don't. I just don't want Joe Barry back. I really don't care about anything else. I just don't want Joe Barry back.
2: Nobody wants Joe Barry back. Nobody wants Joe Barry back. Joe Barry doesn't want to come back. He just wants to go somewhere else where he's loved. He's not loved here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he can go back to L.A. and be a linebacker coach for Sean McVay. But great. Yeah. Hey, we all have our rules. Yeah. And with that, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have anything else?
3: Go back. Uh, If any loyal listeners recognize me at the game, I'll buy
1: you a beer. Okay, that if go that pack happens, go. Yeah, no one. Yeah. Oh, your voice sounds familiar. You from? Can you imagine <laughs> going off of a voice? <laughs> if
2: someone, if somebody it, like heard you ordering a beer next to them, it was like, "Well, I mean, I'll be
3: Billy. T- I'll be tailgating too." <laughs> but I mean, I have a face for podcasting and a voice
1: for print. So what can I say? Well said. And with that, Eric and please don't sue
2: us. Just won't pay I worked all year I worked all money And then they took my money away yeah, well, Now I don't care Cause they ain't working like me
0: down here and I said hey
2: this guy could step in this guy could give us a spark but there's nobody so what does that tell you
3: this guy is leading a unit that's playing
2: well enough yes oh the front seven's great let's get the front seven guy the run the run you know run defense guy whoever however you break it down whatever the positions are it's there but there's nobody i mean if if there's a d-line coach that's the only guy
1: you but he's even, not gonna
2: call the defense.
1: He didn't even hire like a senior special assistant or anything. You know, Mike Teton's in, yeah, it, in Minnesota we have and one he's just those. sitting there.
2: Well, every I, other team Matt, has Matt probably
1: one. didn't have a buddy that had enough experience to do it. You know, even this Dan fucking Quinn. Dan Quinn already had a job. <laughs> yeah. Greg Williams, who's our defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator. He got into coaching, and I think we talked about it. Because he had a he found a flyer at the YMC and he started coaching like kids.